Well, do I have helps? Do I have serving? Do I have administration? Do, what do I have? You, you have one of the two here. One of them is more geared toward the service end, and the other is more gifted or geared toward the speaking end. And they may take, uh, they may be a different one. But if if you're having trouble figuring out which one you have, then then uh, where is where are you uh, uh, able to excel beyond what you can think? Where where the Holy Spirit steps in because. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability to do something. People can be trained to be managers. They offer degrees in it. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily exceptional in it. They don't have that, that little extra, that little flair for putting things together. Uh, so a spiritual gift is a God-given ability to excel in a different area of service within the body of Christ. Every gift is to function in love, even the temporary gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 points that out. If you, uh, uh, it, it's interesting because people uh, argue uh, about whether you can lose your salvation or not lose your salvation. And um, a gift is given at the moment of salvation. It's a spiritual gift. And if you go through 1 Corinthians, you find out they're about as messed up a group of people as it could possibly ever be called a church. And every chapter deals with a different problem in the church, and there's 16 chapters. So how many problems did they have in the church? At least 16. And they're, they're pretty easy to identify and name. But <clears throat> what we find is that they didn't lose the gifts they had. Now, if they'd have lost their salvation, they'd have lost their gift. That's one of the arguments for the assurance of salvation. But after seeing all those mistakes that they made, we have to remember Paul set the context in 1 Corinthians 1-2 when he says, to the saints who are at Corinth. There wasn't any of them acting saintly. Okay? But they were still called saints. So he says, all right, take what you've got, what God has blessed you with. Chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is about functioning in love. You can have... He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, what good is it? Doesn't do me if I if I give my body to be burned and I don't have love, what good is it? So all gifts are to function in love and they're all designed to serve others in uh, one way or another. Even though they're spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit that can be used in a fleshly way. Because when God gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. It's interesting to note eternal life is called a charisma gift. So when people ask me if I'm charismatic, if I want to have fun with them, I say yes, but not in the way you normally think of a charismatic. Because I've been given the gift of eternal life by grace, and Romans 6.23 says it is a charisma gift. That gift is a charisma gift. So be careful who you say that to, or you get labeled. They'll walk off and label you, and, and uh, you won't get to explain it. So... Um, spiritual gifts are supposed to build up the church. They are not designed to cause divisions. There are five places in the New Testament where they are mentioned by name, and that is the complete list of where they're mentioned by name. They were given on the day of Pentecost to the church. It's another one of the markers of a different dispensation. A dispensation is most noted by the change 
of a priesthood. So where the priesthood changes of necessity, there is a change of law. So when did the priesthood change from being a Levitical priesthood to a universal royal priesthood? Day of Pentecost. Change of dispensation of necessity. Hebrews 7.12, there's a change of law. And then there is the summary of temporary gifts, and that's point H. We went through that a month ago when we last met and looked at those and what they were and what they did. They had a very important role in the early church because 33 A.D., the church age began. The church age began. It had no uh, revealed uh, new law. The priestly code had not yet even been identified in Acts chapter 2. But there was a change because the old had been done away with and there are going to be new things that are going to come. And Jesus talked about that. So in the early part of the church, actually for about 60 years till the close of the canon of Scripture, these temporary gifts functioned and they were designed to edify and to protect the infant church, the baby believers that were there. Because they didn't have a written uh, book of the New Testament until 46 A.D. And that was the book of James. So 13 years into the church age, you have the book of James that comes along. And, of course, James included in it uh, uh, justification by works by Abraham in James chapter 2, which caused some question marks amongst people who'd been taught grace. Uh, but if you read the context, you know that um, what he, he he said Abraham was justified by works when he had uh, offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Was that before he was called? After he was called? After he passed all the other tests? See, he was. That's an issue of maturity, and so justification by faith is still where it is. Genesis fifteen six. He believed God and it was given to him righteousness. But the temporary gifts were designed to enlighten the church, gift of prophecy, told them what to look forward to. The gift of, of uh, discerning of spirits was the counterbalance to prophecy. Uh, the spirits of the prophets were subject to the prophets. So if we were a local church in the first century, we would uh, uh, hopefully, uh, well, we'd be speaking Greek back then uh, pretty well. But... Uh, a prophet said, all right, this is what is going to happen. Another prophet within the church would be able to say, okay, I agree, that's true. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Discerning of spirits was the counterbalance of the gift of prophecy because they could tell if the prophet was a lying prophet or not. So you're going to have to have a collusion of the temporary gifts to get something through the early church. Now he could reveal it, to multiple churches at different times, and therefore you have truth established in multiple churches at different times. You have the prophets are the ones to whom Scripture was given. So Scripture was written down. The apostles were prophets, Ephesians 2.20. So the, the, the apostles or those close to an apostle wrote it down. And so whenever the book was written down and passed like to Thessalonica, actually uh, the churches of Galatia, was a second epistle, uh, the book of Galatians, 48 A.D. 
and it's passed around. And in all these churches that receives this epistle, the gift of prophecy looks at it and go, yeah, this is Scripture. And they can identify it. Because they didn't have New Testament Scripture to do that with. So as the church grew, as more letters came out, as the Gospels were put together and written, those of the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, were able to tell if it was true or not. Whenever the church councils finally got around to it a couple of centuries later to say this is the Bible, all they did was recognize the authority that was already established. They did not confer new authority upon these, on these books because they were recognized as Scripture to begin with. Now, what about tongues or languages and interpretation of tongues? And that is a language that somebody had not learned. It was a supernatural utterance. Uh, like um, Solo now, the Canada language, K-A-N-N-A-D-A, he speaks Malayalam. He can't speak Canada. So as he does a conference, he uses an interpreter, just like we do as we speak English when we go over there. So if and now that the interpreters there have learned these languages... What if you were the Apostle Thomas, landed on the West Coast, headed to the East Coast, and had about a hundred different languages to pass as you went through there? You don't have time to learn them all. The gift of languages could walk into a village and give the gospel and evangelize the village. And that's what it was for. Interpretation, we have a little gathering of the church here. We all speak Greek, and somebody walks in and speaks Hebrew. And nobody in here knows how to speak Hebrew, but if you had the gift of languages, you could speak Hebrew so that you could tell that person what was going on in the church. Because there wasn't a church on every corner in the ancient world. There's one church in the town was the way that it was the way that it worked. So if you were a Christian and you were coming from a far country and you didn't speak the language, you could at least go into a church and get edified, hopefully get built up. And so that's why the gift of languages and interpretation of languages were there. Healing and miracles, uh, really about the only ones that we see that had that were the apostles. Uh, so uh, that's... Uh, an interesting uh, gift that, that you have. And uh, that per, those particular gifts um, were not... Um, um, when someone was healed, they were healed totally and completely. That's the way the gift functioned, whether they had any faith or not. Just look at the, uh, what Jesus did when he healed people. Rise, take up your pallet and, the, and walk. And the guy said, who is that? I mean, it wasn't a, really a matter of faith. It was a matter of the sovereignty of the one that had the, the miracle. So we have these temporary gifts. It said that some of them are going to be gone, 1 Corinthians 13. And so then the argument is, when are they going to be gone? But they're not needed, many of them, after the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, gift of languages is called a sign gift to tell the Jews by men of strange lips they're going to tell you what's getting ready to happen here. So they were sign gifts. And then by the close of the canon, a prophecy was gone. Uh, an apostle was gone. John was the last with the gift of apostle. Now, you have to discern, discern between the gift and the office because some were had the office of apostle being put in charge of multiple churches because they didn't have people spiritually old enough to be, hold the position of elder yet. So until that happened, 
they had to function as apostles. Then as Paul started to divest his office of apostleship, he went and appointed elders in each of the churches. So, uh, But there was an uh, office of apostle. Uh, James, that wrote the book of James, a half-brother of the Lord, was not one of the original twelve. Yet he was called an apostle. Barnabas was called an apostle. Timothy was called an apostle. They were sent out with authority to carry out a task that had been given them by one of the twelve. Paul took... Uh, I don't want to start an argument. Paul took Judas's place, not Matthias. And that's for another class. <laughs> that's my belief. I will love to argue Arg- Argue argue. You know how that goes here. Argue it. Permanent gifts. That's where we left off. The permanent gifts are ten temporary, ten permanent. Um, Teaching. The one we'll start with, it's a supernatural ability to excel in the communication of God's Word to others. Now, we're all called to be teachers. And when you start thinking about this, Hebrews 5.12 says, by this time you ought to be teachers. So, we're all called to be teachers. But some have that special ability to excel at it. It's a supernatural ability. That's a mark of the spiritual gift. You'll find as you look at all of these permanent gifts, we're all called to carry out those functions. Gift of giving, we're all called to give. Gift of helps, we're all called to help. Gift of encouragement, we're all called to encourage one another. We're we're all called to do that, but the gift is the supernatural ability to excel in a given area. Um, I was asked, uh, where, where do you get the definitions to these? And honestly, part of it is by trial and error. And looking at what the, the verses are about, looking at the gifts that you have to work with, and then figuring out what each of them uh, does and how 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 it goes about doing it. Now, when we get into the, the functions of the church, one of the things we're going to find out is that there is no form that is commanded. They're only described. So you have to get a form that you can do things decently and according to an organized structure, 1 Corinthians 14.40. So <clears throat> the uh, structure that is there takes a form because where a function is commanded, we have to develop a form. So teaching has to develop a form, but there's no commanded forms of teaching. Uh, many of the, the uh, apostles, they taught under trees. Uh, Paul went down and taught where they washed the clothes, uh, made tents and taught. I mean, um, uh, taught in upper rooms where people f- fell asleep and fell out windows. That was... <laughs> no, I feel your pain, Paul. <laughs> Haven't had anybody fall out of a window yet. We were somewhere, though, and there was a second story and there was an open window because a lot of the places we go, the screens are not part of their thinking or glass windows. And and uh, you, you, if you see somebody starting to doze there, you don't want to relive part of Acts. I mean, you just, <laughs> guess how many wake that guy up over there before he falls out of the window. So... Uh, but um, how did I get off on that? Anyway, teaching, it's the supernatural ability, ability to excel, and that lets us be able to act under the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that maybe we hadn't thought about before. Teaching requires a form. That was where I 
rabbit trail from. It requires a form, but the form is not commanded, and we use whatever form will best communicate the message at that point in time to that audience. Uh, there are people that walk into villages nobody can read. Open up your Bibles to... And how good is that going to work? Not going to work at all. So you tell a story, or you do a visual, or you, you have other ways to communicate the message. Now, uh, helps refers to a gift that supernaturally assists the gifts of others. A uh, gift of helps is one who can kind of walk in and see what needs to be done and get it done. Now, some of the other gifts can do a very similar thing, but helps um, functions in a lot of different areas. One example would be a collection or preparation of food to nourish others so that others could more fully pursue their specific gifts. Now, there's a couple of, of analogies. One is um, building a building. Um, if you were to... Uh, the, the person with helps might be one that that went and was sure that uh, they, they had the screws to screw the stuff in with, so they weren't running all over the place. A gift of helps, uh, the, the organizer of the group may say, we need to organize and get the this size screw here, this size screw here, this size board here, this size board here. Um, and if you're building around a building project, you don't want to spend half your time looking for tools. Okay, so gift of helps is, you know, the gopher that does it with a joyful heart and is able to help the other gifts function. That's a very important gift. Probably going to be more uh, helps gifts with walking around with crowns in eternity than some of the more visual gifts because these are uh, um, gifts that uh, just like... Uh, it's not the gift of cooking, I don't think, fits in here. But... Uh, you know, we had a mission conference here one year, and there were things that needed to be done. There had to be organization. There had to be vision. There had to be leadership to it. There had to be structure. There had to be food preparation. And so we had, uh, you know, one meal was set up in the in the back back there. Another one was set up out under the trees. And so people joined in and grabbed tables and ran them down under the trees. And then we found out it was all sand, and you couldn't really sit in the chairs under the trees, but I mean, it takes the teamwork and the working to, uh, together and helps just fits in wherever it, wherever it needs to fit. Administration's a supernatural ability to organize and oversee the resources God has given to His church. It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. That's where these gifts are mentioned at. Uh, you could call it uh, uh, management. Uh, if you wanted to, administration, it's got uh, organizational uh, uh, type of thing. So what the organization does is let, the, the, that gift of administration lets the organism of the local body, body function more efficiently. To put things in a, in a place where somebody says, where is something or other at? Somebody knows where it is. Okay, and they're able to put their hands on it and not waste a lot of time looking for it. So uh, you can look at my office and tell that's not my gift. <laughs> okay, I'm working on it, though. But see, I have a degree in it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I've got a degree in management, organization. And when it comes to people, maybe a C, not real bad. 
Okay, but when it comes to office, <laughs> D minus or whatever. But I know where stuff is and don't mess with it. So it has my form of organization to it. So, but it's the ability to, to organize and see what needs to be where and when so that when something needs to be done, it can be done more efficiently. Uh, serving is the natural, supernatural ability to carry out the physical functions of ministry in a practical manner. Uh, that's when a project is taken on and the gift of service is the one that gets it done. Uh, there, it, it's interesting if you were to go through some of the um, psychological tests, which I'm not going to give any of those out. There, there's psychological testing people use to determine their spiritual gift. And I've, I've seen the different tests on them and I don't care for them because they've added gifts in that the Bible doesn't mention. You know, the gift of, of choir director. Uh, I haven't seen that one listed anywhere. There are choir directors in Scripture. haven't seen that, that one uh, listed anywhere. But there are, the, you have the, the vision. This is where we need to do it. The administration, this is how we need to get it done. But one of the things that they, they will test people on is the, are they designer implementers or are they able to complete the task frequently a designer implementer one with a vision is terrible at maintenance okay service would see that that things are done and maintained and completed if it is a task that needs completing then it is that gift would say well this is what we need to do to get it done and then see it through to the finish and that's kind of the the gift of uh, service in a practical manner again everybody trying to work together uh, exhortation is a supernatural ability to recognize and meet the need for encouragement within the body of Christ um, if you if you put these together, if you're building a building, then you, this is what you got to do. You got to have an organizer. You got to have somebody like helps to go get the stuff the right place, the right time, or maybe make the phone calls to order it to get it there, whatever. Teaching, well, you don't just send a bunch of people out with hammers and saws and say build a building. Okay, they got to know how to do it. So there's got to be the the teaching uh, element of it. Then there is the person that says. This is what we got to do to get the punch list taken care of. The punch list is the thing whenever there's a project and you're getting ready to, to, you know, to get the final thing from the builder and write the builder the final check. There's usually some problems need to be fixed before that, and it's the punch list. And it's a person that can say, well, this is what we need to do to complete this project and get it done. Okay. <clears throat> And sometimes they can see things need to be done that, that other people can't. Exhortation, the ability to recognize and meet the need. Well, you're building a building out there, and, and uh, like, like we did this thing, and uh, it got hot, and people got tired, and there were encouragers. Now... Sometimes we don't like encouragement, do we? Somebody's sitting around telling us how to do things and they won't get sweaty uh, in the process. But the encourager is the one that, whether they say it or not, are saying, we can get this done. We can get it finished. We can do it. We can do it right. And it's going to honor God. 
the encourager sees someone maybe well the gift of mercy actually is the one that would see somebody about to faint and the gift of encouragement would run over there to them to kind of prop them up while the gift of help might go get some water to keep them together I mean that's a very simplified way that the gifts might work together but uh, uh, exhortation we know we just studied encouraging one another to exhort, to encourage, to comfort is all the same Greek word. So uh, you could call it exhortation. You call it the gift of encouragement. Barnabas, I believe that was his gift. I mean son of encouragement. It's the name they gave to him. And he was an encourager. Uh, giving is a supernatural ability to share one's resources with others in a higher proportion than would be normally, ex- expect, than would be normally expected. It is unselfishness measured by generosity, not by the specific amount that is given, but by the willful sharing of the resources. Uh, Very giving attitude. Leadership or leading is a supernatural ability to guide and direct individuals in the accomplishment of the service of the church. Another gift mentioned in Romans 12.8. might remember 12.1 and 2. Present your body a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, your spiritual service of worship. Three, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And then four through nine is about gifts. It's another place the gifts are mentioned. So after you present your body to be a priest to God, your, your priestly form of worship and sacrifice, then it says in, in, your, in your giving with generosity, in your teaching with diligence. I mean, whatever your gift is, do it to the maximum. Use it to the max. Uh, so leading, and that's the ability to guide and direct individuals in the accomplishment of the service of the church. Uh, mercy is the supernatural ability to recognize and get help for those in spiritual or physical need. And uh, that gift is one that... Uh, <clears throat> You know, when, when you see it work and you see it function, uh, sometimes people can walk in and they just know, they can spot somebody where something is wrong. It's their demeanor, it's their eyes, it's their attitude, it's their posture. Whatever it is, they know something's out of place, something's out of whack. And they might not know how to be the encourager in the process, but with people working together, not caring who gets the credit... People working together, the gift of mercy, can get somebody with a gift of encouragement and say, I think you need to go talk to this person. May need help. Or may need to round up the pastor. May sense some, something's headed in the wrong direction. Round up the pastor who's really the... Uh, you'll, if you've looked down at the chart, it says affirmation. There's more of the uh, the guardian of the local body. That's what the shepherd actually is designed to do. The pastor-teacher is designed to be the uh, <coughs> guardian and the instructor. So, <coughs> the um, uh, but mercy is that ability to recognize somebody in need and, and try and uh, hold down the casualties as much as possible. Uh, evangelism, the supernatural ability to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to individuals or groups of people in ways they can clearly understand. Um, see people, seeing people with this gift, um, it just is like it naturally flows. Uh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I can give the gospel, and I think fairly clearly. 
But that's not my gift. It's not, not what my gift is. But somebody with the gift of evangelism, you'll find them, the, the conversation turns to Jesus Christ if they're in a one-on-one situation. I painted a house with a guy up in Bartlesville one time for a, a Hindu man from India. And he went into the normal, well, all religions are trying to get us to the same place. You know, and the the universalist type of, of attitude like that. And, and uh, my friend said, well, you know, but not all of them will. <laughs> and he, he was just able to do it in such a way that it, it, was, it was clear that what the guy was saying was inaccurate, but also in a loving way that showed a care and concern for this man's soul. So uh, the guy didn't believe that we know of right on the spot, but he was certainly given a very clear presentation of the gospel, and it just kind of came out. wasn't forced, wasn't pushed. It was just the Lord put it together, and, and that's what happened. So uh, evangelism uh, <clears throat> has, a, has the ability to adapt. Paul said, I became all things to all men, that by all means I might win some. Not sinful means. Okay, but he's saying that, you know, if I go into... Africa, a village in Africa or something like that, I may have to adjust. I may have to adapt to things. And pastor teachers the supernatural ability to shepherd God's flock through teaching and applying His words. <clears throat> His word. To sum up spiritual gifts, be bound by God's word. We're going to say, what do we do? How do we go about doing it? We need to know God's word. That's our guidebook. It's a guidebook for every gift. So that... the you, your gift is not going to function with maximum efficiency unless you know God's Word. Because you have the gift, but gifts have to be developed. Okay, There's training that goes with some gifts, especially a pastor-teacher. They need to get some theological training. They need to understand uh, the original languages that God's, God's Word was written in. There is, uh, <coughs> there is ways to enhance the usage of that gift by your participation with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Unbelievers go to seminary. I mean, they go to seminary, uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare, and by the way, if she sends you a letter uh, and you get that on the Internet, it cycles every three or four years that Madeline Murray O'Hare is starting this thing, um, you know, to, to get God taken off the coins or something. She's been dead for a long time. Okay, so don't buy into that if you get that thing. And the Procter & Gamble deal, too, that'll get you sued. So, uh, you know, the head of Procter & Gamble appeared on Donahue. That should be a clue. <laughs> and said that they are Satan worshipers, and that's what the stars are and all that other stuff. Uh, that's been a scam, and, and they have won lawsuits in court over that. So that's if you get that, don't pass it on. Um I learned that one the hard way. I stood up and said, I'll never buy any Procter & Gamble stuff again. I was in Bartlesville, and then I was handed the uh, uh, expose that exposed me <laughs> in the process. So I had to get up and tell people, go ahead and buy some ivory soap. It won't kill you. So uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, point K, no one gift is more important than another. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27 is loaded with the temporary gifts. I mean, you got the gifts interacting. They're using them in carnal ways. They're using them to do one-upmanship. And whenever people like us get into this passage, we start spending all of our time identifying what's temporary, what's permanent, trying to offer arguments why this one's temporary and why this one is permanent. And sometimes we strain out the gnat and swallow the camel. Because what he's trying to tell us there is that <clears throat> no gift is more important than the other one. They're all important to the proper functioning of the body of Christ. And that uh, we are not supposed to play one-upmanship games. We're given a gift out of the sovereignty of God, not what we earned or deserved. Okay, there's, there's nothing there. Why should we move into the elite, elitist mode? And that's what the Corinthians did. They said, well, I've got this gift, and you don't have this gift. And, and so they were playing the one-upmanship game, and Paul had some pretty harsh words for them, as you might, might remember in those passages. But the point that going through there, no one gift is more important than another one. They're all needed for the proper functioning of a local church. And they're needed for the functioning of the body of Christ. <clears throat> uh, I know some churches used to get together and they'd pray for somebody with a gift of plumbing. No, just pray for a plumber. I mean, no, don't pray for the gift of plumbing. Okay, that's uh, not the way it works. One viewpoint towards spiritual gifts should not be divide. One's viewpoint towards spiritual gifts should not be divisive within the body of Christ, because the spiritual use of spiritual gifts will promote spiritual unity. Ephesians four: There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, till we all attain to the unity of the Spirit. Is what we're called to do. True spirituality has as is designed to unify, to call together. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. We're going to argue about a lot of things till we see Jesus face to face and then realize how petty a lot of our arguments were. But <clears throat> the true spirituality promotes unity within the body of Christ. But when I think about the study of pneumatology, it's the most difficult study, I think, bar none in the Scripture just because of the sheer mass of information given. And so when we, when we get it all nailed down, uh, we think uh, we need to be a little bit humble about it because there could be a verse overlooked. There's over, I think, around 5,000 usages of the word ruach in the Old Testament. And ruach can be translated wind. Uh, he walked, they walked with the Lord God in the wind of the day. Or a strong east ruach came up and parted the Red Sea. So it can be used for wind. It can be used for breath. Our breath that goes in and out. It can be used for spirit. And that opens up a whole other bag of worms. Because then is it the unclean spirit? Those are usually the easiest to identify. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the human spirit? 
is it a spirit that's a motivation? You got serious questions with many of those usages in the Old Testament to determine spirituality. And when you get in the New Testament, it's not a lot easier. You move from the word uh, ruach to the word pneuma in the Greek, and it's the same thing, wind, breath, or spirit. So it's a, it's a pretty difficult thing. But what you can say about spirituality, true spirituality will seek to unify the body of Christ because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants us to be one. It is His will. Now, <clears throat> we are led by the Holy Spirit to love and serve one another. Galatians 5.1, that's why we are given freedom. So we take our, the spiritual gift, and you get the little charts there. <clears throat> I think they printed out all right. Um, spiritual gift of giving. Motivation, physical support. The local body or universal, universal body. The one body that is Christ. The strategy, give. Okay, what would one of the results be? Probably provision for the local body. Be provision for the for the church. Provision for the for the local body of Christ. Then the gift of service. Motivation, get her done. <laughs> Let's get get it finished. Strategy, <clears throat> tenacity. People that stick with it. You know, stay through. See the project through. Don't uh, start one thing and go off to multiple tasks. I think I think the older we get, the more we get into adult attention deficit disorder. And we just go from thing to thing. <clears throat> you know, I know nobody else in here goes from one room into another room to get something. You can't remember why you went into that room. But while you're here... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you might as well straighten up the bookshelf or something like that. Try to remember why you came into that room to begin with. So then after you don't do that, you go back to the other room to try and remember what it was that you went in there before. But you get back to the other room only to find something else that needs to be done in that other room. So, yeah, <clears throat> focus. Try to stay focused. <clears throat> The gift of service you might pray for sometimes, and then you can stay on task. You might determine that as a, uh, one that's on task. So what would the result be? It would bring about a semblance of order within the local body to see projects completed, projects done. It was needed to remodel the building up front. Uh, Dan stuck with it to the bitter end there to see that everything was done, <clears throat> the inspections were all okayed, and an occupancy permit issued. Because without an occupancy permit, you can get a severe fine whenever you do serious remodelings to things. So, seeing it through and getting it completed, getting the projects done. And see, that makes sense because who would build a tower and not count the cost thereof? And one one part of not counting the cost is not realizing you need to finish the project if you start. Or if you build a building halfway and then don't have anything more on it. Out at Reno and uh, Morgan Road, Owens Corning started a building out there. And they were going to put their one of their little pottery plants or whatever it was out there. And you know what they what they add up? They have a they have the steel structure. And then they quit, backed off of it, steel still standing there. 
in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a shopping center. They started before I finished, before I got to seminary. Uh, out on where Admiral and uh, 129th East or something way off out east out there, and it they didn't get it finished until sometime after I moved to Oklahoma City, and that was 15 years later. So, not counting the cost, see, and people look at it and go, "What idiot started that and didn't get that done?" So it can be a distraction on the body of Christ. <clears throat> Helps uh, the gift. Motivation, assist other people. Strategy, look for opportunities. Keep your eyes open and look for opportunities. And the gift of helps in a lot of ways, I think the result is kind of the glue that holds everything together because we tend to not be able to accomplish things by ourselves. And the gift of the gift of helps is one that, well, this needs to be done. And, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> they're the kind of people that rightfully says, uh, nothing is beneath me. True servant is is what uh, drives that. Uh, leadership. Uh, motivation is direction. Kind of steer the ship. The problem is, though, when you want to steer the ship, not let God steer it. That's, that's a problem. So it's kind of the... He puts you at the helm to... Find out the course he wants you to go, and then he's and then you go on that course. Strategy is vision. Okay, uh, uh, Al's a, flies planes, I believe, right? Yeah, and I I get back away from where the pilot is, so I'm not looking out the window there. But they've told me whenever you're getting ready to land, you look at the horizon to land. Is that correct? You don't look at the ground. <laughs> You'll fly into the ground. Okay, <clears throat> the leadership has the perspective, the broad perspective. Where are we going to go? You're looking at the horizon, trying to figure out the the course adjustments and the direction that we're going, and try to keep keep things uh, steered in the proper direction. Uh, the the strategy is uh, vision. The the result would be purpose. Uh, <clears throat> administration. Motivation is efficiency. Make things run smoother. Put a little oil in the on the gears. Um, strategies, organization. Uh, the result is maintenance, care, upkeep. Things are done that needs that need to be done. Spiritual gift of mercy identifies needs, and I think that can be physical or spiritual. Gift of mercy. The um, strategy is to respond. Not just identify them and go, so-and-so needs help. <laughs> okay, but figure out some way to get the help to them in the appropriate way. So the, the result is, I guess, a diagnosis. Almost like a, a medical term there. Able to, to find something, see a problem, and uh, be able to uh, diagnose uh, what, what the, the needs are. Gift of exhortation provides emotional support to motivation. Um, to help people out because sometimes it just gets tough. What, what would Job have given for an exhorter to come along with his three friends? Instead, he came, the critics showed up. Uh, <clears throat> strategy. Network. Again, it's people being spiritually awake to the needs of others. And sometimes we need it ourselves. Okay? And humility 
uh, humility will say, I need a little help. Okay? First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you at the proper time. 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on Him because it matters to Him about you. He's saying that one of the reasons we don't cast our cares on on the uh, we we won't humble ourselves is uh, one of the ways we don't humble ourselves is cast our cares on Him. Think we can figure it all out by ourselves. And uh, exhortation, it's the being spiritually awake. Teaching, motivation is explanation. Hey, you want to know the truth and teach the truth. One of the things I was taught by one of my first teachers, and I don't even know if he knew what he was teaching teaching me in the process, but the the attitude I got was don't care don't approach the Bible with trying to read something into it. Don't care what it says, just want to know what it says. Okay, and, and that's kind of been a philosophy of mine for a long time. It, I, as I approach it I I, I really don't want to read things into it. I want to read out of it. And the temptation is there with anybody and everybody because we're all human with a sin nature. The strategy is study. The result's edification. To study, to teach, to edify. Evangelism, motivation, expansion of the kingdom. Uh, the strategy, exploration. Where do we go? I know people go to malls hand out gospel coins. Look for somebody to talk to. Uh, sometimes just a, a baby evangelist might go and just leave them there. <laughs> okay? Not try to engage anybody in the speech. Others with a gift, they just, seems like people just get attracted to it. People with the gift of mercy, have you ever had somebody just, not somebody, a lot of people come up to you and just pour their life and soul out that you don't know because a lot of times they can sense that that you're somebody that might be able to help and pastor teacher motivation is I have affirmation there I've been back going back through these trying to make better clarification I think uh, uh, pastor is guardian uh, <clears throat> and to shepherd the flock of God among you because savage wolves will rise up from among your own selves to draw away the flock after them. And guardian, a guardian primarily by instruction. Because a pastor teacher doesn't go home with everybody to protect them. It doesn't happen. So you try to instruct them as to what is good, what is evil, what to look out for, and how to avoid it. Strategy is counsel. Uh, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes uh, uh, monologue, sometimes dialogue, whatever is needed. And the result, hopefully, will be growth within the local body of Christ. So, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the spiritual gifts. You can see there the different responses, too. Uh, just quickly, it, it's, a resp- it's Giving is a thanksgiving to God for the love that He's bestowed upon us, the gift of giving. Service. The love response is to do acts of love. That's what the word primarily means. Helps is the humility of love, to love God and be willing to pull a Jeremiah if He asks you to go lay down on your left side for a year 
without any clothes on. That would take some real humility and obedience, wouldn't it? Uh, leadership. Opportunities for love. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That's the thinking process. Administration. The efficiency of it. Not making it clinical, but by this, but making the opportunities come together. When we have times of fellowship, when we have times of uh, potluck dinners, when we have those type of things, having that organization to be able to um, uh, enjoy one another. Mercy is the depth of it. Uh, exhortation, the encouragement of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, and He is called the parakletos, the encourager, the exhorter, the comforter. That's what He's called. Teaching is the explanation of what it is because the world counterfeits it. We've got to constantly counterbalance it. Evangelism is the spread of it. And pastor-teacher is the assurance of it. So these are all functions that, that are they're designed to respond to the love of God and they all play a significant role within the local church and within the body of Christ. And uh, next week we're going to move on into the next round. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, again for your blessings. Thank you for the test. Thank you for the opportunities you set in front of us. And Father, I pray that we would just be more spiritually awake and more in tune to what is going on. I pray we would be submissive to the Holy Spirit and that He would lead us and uh, uh, reveal to us our gifts. But Father, uh, give us the opportunities to serve You in, uh, in grace and in truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.